morning, East Campus. My name is Drew. I'm the student pastor here. I'm excited to be able to bring God's Word with you this morning. Doug is currently filling in for Pastor Mercer at Main Campus because Pastor Mercer is still recovering from surgery. So if you would, keep him in your prayers, keep him in your thoughts. So here recently, if you're visiting with us or you've been with us, we've been maneuvering through this series called Beginnings. Beginnings, as you see on the slides. We've been taking a look at the beginning of creation, the beginning of sin, all throughout the book of Genesis up to now. If you would, go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 7. We're going to take a look at uh, passage number 7 and number 8. We're going to move through this very quickly. Um, So a question I've recently asked myself is about promises. Promises. I've always kind of struggled with when people promise certain things, right? Like I never was the person who did the whole kind of pinky promise thing because I kind of thought it was kind of weird, you know, like I didn't really have any significance. I'm sure probably we all can relate to the fact that we've had people probably break promises in our life, right? Like, whether it was a parent, or maybe it was a friend, or maybe it's it's been someone that you've been close with. See, sometimes when people in our lives break promises, it can affect our view of God and his promises for us as believers. It can cause us to doubt or question what God says is true and if his promises will actually come to pass. This morning... As we maneuver through these two passages, we're going to take a look at a passage in where God's promise prevails regardless of the circumstance or feelings. So before we hop into Genesis chapter 7, if you would, just pray with me. God, thank you for allowing us to be here. God, we love you. We need you. God, we are so desperate for you. God, we pray that you meet us here in this place. God, that you allow us to see your glory and your holiness. God, that we, like this this song we recently just sang, we magnify you, God, and not ourselves. God, we pray that you show us your glory. God, show us the, the goodness of your character and who you are. God, show us the things of heaven. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and pour us out. Amen. So Genesis chapter 7, let's hop in this, okay? Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you were righteous before me in this generation. So here's the thing. Noah's obedience to God was a result of his faith in God. So verse 1 states that Noah is considered righteous. Many times I think people have a view that obedience produces righteousness because we think that through our obedience that we become more righteous in our standing with God. But the reality is that our faith in God is what gives us our righteousness, not our obedience. But that faith should motivate us to be obedient to God. We see that Noah in this passage did just that by taking the animals in the ark. As we continue reading, God had told Noah to take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all the things that the Lord commanded. So I think for us to understand righteousness, we actually have to understand what it really means. It's the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including our character, our nature, our our conscience, our attitude. Our conduct, our action, and our command, word. See, righteousness is therefore based upon God's standard because he himself is the ultimate lawgiver. Last week we saw in chapter 6 that Noah began building the ark after God told him of the coming flood. 
We saw Noah demonstrate faith in what God said he was going to do. Noah's faith in God produced an act of obedience. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This faith that Noah demonstrated was sufficient to produce obedience in his life. That's exactly what the writer of Hebrews extols as the faith we need to live by. Noah's faith proved the wickedness of those who rejected God and his obedience to God saved his family. Noah saved his family, and just in the right time, as the text tells us, that the flood waters came. Verse 10, and after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, the fountains burst forth, and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. It's a lot of rain, y'all. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with him entered the ark with every beast according to its kind and all the livestock of their kind. See, Noah was faithful in entering the ark. And what we see here is that after Noah entered the ark with all the animals, it says that the Lord shut him in. My friends, Noah's faith led to his salvation. Remember last week, Pastor Doug talked about how the ark is symbolic to Jesus, right? That Noah and his family and the animals entered to this ark because it was their only saving grace. Noah's faith led to his salvation. See, this door that Noah and his family entered through, because remember, there's one door that God had told him to build on the ark. Noah and his family entered through is symbolic of the truth of the gospel. Noah's faith led him to enter this door for his salvation. My friends, listen, each and every one of us have been given a door that we have to enter through as well. Jesus is our door to salvation. John 10, 9 states, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus once again states in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My friends, listen, there was one door on this ark. There's one way into eternity with God, and that's Jesus. Not all these other religions, not all these other ways. Jesus. Noah and his family, they, they enter the ark, and then God himself sealed the door behind him. So nothing could get in, nothing could get out. God secured Noah and his family and the animals. So here's the thing, as we as believers enter the door of salvation through Jesus, we are sealed and secure by what Jesus has done through the work on the cross. Imagine being in the ark and being tossed and turned by the waves. No matter how Noah and his family felt or where they got tossed and turned, their salvation was secured by the sovereignty of God and not their circumstances. My friends, listen, no matter our circumstances and feelings, we too as believers are sealed by the blood of the slain lamb on Calvary. We continue. The flood continued, verse 17. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the earth. So listen, we, we see in this that Noah, after Noah and his family had entered the ark, that the flood came, and it wiped out every single thing that was left on the earth that wasn't on the ark. Humans, animals, everything. Verse 22 says that everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. I kind of I make this joke that I bet the fish, the fish were probably living it up with all that water, probably, right? 
<laughs> See, God's judgment was released on those who were not considered righteous, who were not considered right in his eyes. My friends, this is true even in our day and time now. The judgment of God will be released on those who are not obedient to God and what he has commanded us to do. God did exactly what he said he would do. God fulfilled this promise. But we actually continue to see the promise fulfilled more in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 1. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated and in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ariok. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So uh, picture this, as Noah is on this boat and the waves are, are crashing and tossing, God remembered the covenant, the promise that he had made with Noah. My friends, God never forgets his people, and Noah was no exception. I think that a misconception that we usually think about when we read this story, when we read this passage, is that some people uh, think that it rained 40 days and 40 nights, then Noah just probably got off the boat. But the truth is that it just rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and they were actually on the boat a whole lot longer for actually about a year. Imagine being stuck with your family and a bunch of animals in a boat for 11 months as it's tossing and turning. I couldn't do it. I don't know about y'all. See, I imagine that Noah and his family were consecrating themselves, getting, getting right, doing things to be obedient and faithful as they were on the ark. See, here's the thing. They couldn't see the promised land that was to come, but they knew God was going to bring them there. My friends, listen, for some of us, we might can't see the promised land of heaven that's to come, but that doesn't mean that we don't be faithful right here where we're at. See, Noah did not allow the length of time on the ark to forget the promise that God had made with him. My friends, God's promise stood firm. We can depend as believers on the truth of who God is because he's God and he's never changing and he's holy and he's just and he's right. And for him to change would actually be a contradiction of himself and his perfect will. Verse 6, at the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot. And when she returned him to the ark, for the waters were still on his face of the whole earth, so he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. Noah waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first of the month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. So after Noah had, had sent out these birds to see if the water had went down, the, doves, the dove actually finally returned with an olive branch. And so for him to kind of know, okay, hey, the waters are starting to go down. The earth, it dried from the flood. 
Listen, God's goodness and his faithfulness was demonstrated as God delivered Noah safely through the flood. My friends, listen, God's promise stands. God's promise stands. After Noah had, had, had landed on, on a particular piece of, of, of land that was dried, as, he, as he's seeing the water subside, as the dove has returned back with this olive branch, God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you, all of flesh, birds, and animals, with every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah did exactly just that. What he did is he, he went out with his sons and his wife and, and his sons' wives with every animal, every beast, every creeping thing, every bird. That's a lot. Ooh. Have you all seen How to Save a Zoo? I bet it looked like that. So as soon as Noah does this with the animals, what he does is he builds an altar to the Lord. And he took some of every clean animal. Remember, he, previously in chapter 7, the reason Noah had, had brought clean animals was because God had knew the intent of why he was going to need them. He took every clean, every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. God sets forth a new covenant. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. So as soon as Noah had got off the ark, he worshipped God by sacrificing the clean animals that were with him. See, Noah knew the power of God, the holiness of God. He knew that God was worthy to be praised from what, from what God had brought him through. See, Noah built this altar to God to thank him for delivering them from the flood. See, it was only through God's grace that Noah and his family were alive. My friends, listen, Noah trusted in God and that he was going to continue to provide for his family. See, faith, it produces a dependence in God. It produces a dependence on God. Listen, the faith that Noah placed in God is one that we as believers should strive to imitate in all aspects of life, in all circumstances. Some takeaways I have for you. Number one, number one, God desires faithful obedience. God desires faithful obedience. My friends, listen, our obedience is in following Christ. We as believers must be faithful in pursuing God for who he is, not for what God can give us and not for what God can do for us. In the pursuit of being obedient, we need to discover his will and our desires for our life, not the desires that we personally want for our life. Noah's obedience is not what provided his righteousness, but it was his faith in God that moved him to be deemed righteous. It was his trust in who God was and what God called him to do and to be. Number two, number two, the promise still stands. The promise still stands. My friends, listen, every promise that God has ever made will come to pass. And for us as believers here in the now, that should give us hope. We see this many times in Scripture, of the promise that God had given to the Israelites and to many others. God's going to keep his word. Number three. Number three, Jesus is our door to salvation. Jesus is our door to salvation. 
but not even just for our salvation, but for all. For all. Remember, there was one door on this ark. One. There was one way in and one way out to be saved from God's judgment. For us, my friends, listen, there's one door into eternity, and it is through a relationship with Jesus and who he is. My question for you this morning is, have you entered into that door? Or are you trying to find others in its place? See, my friends, I think that we have, we've talked about this, you know, many times of where how we, can, we have the truth of the gospel to share with others. And I think that so many times in people in our life, they're trying to walk through all these different doors to get to salvation or get to where they need to be. There's only one. That's through Jesus. So maybe some of you in here, uh, maybe you haven't walked through this door. Maybe you're in a place or a position to where you feel that, you know, hey, I actually truthfully haven't stepped into this real true relationship with Jesus. Maybe for some of us, we've, we felt like, hey, we, we're kind of like stepped in a little bit where we're not really fully sure. I want to encourage you, each and every one of you, to demonstrate the faith and the obedience that Noah himself demonstrated by stepping through what God has called us to do and be, and that is in relationship with him and who he is. My friends, also, there's some of us who have stepped through that door, but the truth is we're not actually sharing the truth of walking through this door, walking and coming through Jesus with others. What I want to encourage each and every one of you to do, because I know for me, myself included, we have people in our life who need to hear the truth of who Jesus is and what he's called us to be and do. I want to challenge each and every one of you to, to think of that one particular person in your life that needs to hear this truth. I want to encourage you to take it to them. Let's pray. God, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. God, thank you, God, for the sacrifice that you demonstrated on the cross. God, thank you for the life that you've called us to live. God, we know, God, that you are holy and set apart, and there is none like you. God, the truth, the truth is, is that there might be some of us in here who actually truthfully have not walked through that door of salvation like Noah did. God, I pray that you remind us, God, the truth of, of, of what's going to happen if we don't, if we haven't. Set apart from you for eternity. Enduring judgment, God, your wrath. God, I pray that in this time as we begin to, to go into worship, I pray, God, that you lead, God, people towards repentance. God, that you prick the heart of the unbeliever and lead them, Lord, to receive salvation. God, but maybe on the other hand, God, maybe some of the believers in here, God, are living in a lifestyle of just consistent sin. And they have turned and swayed so far away from you. God, I pray that you move them. The Holy Spirit moves them, God, towards repentance. I pray, God, that you change our life. 
from the truth of who you are. The sacrifice that you made for us, even yet we did not deserve it. A perfect God who stepped out of heaven to meet his creation exactly where they were at. 100% God, 100% man. Who lived a life of perfection, who set the standard of what we should be. But God, we fall short of that standard and we live in this consistent sin. Yet you took our sin and that sin to the cross. And you gave us an opportunity to be back in right standing with you. My friends, listen, that truth is valid for you as well. That some of you in here, Jesus is calling you out of your sin. And all you have to do is just take that next step through that door. Lord, we love you. God, we're so thankful for who you are. God, we pray that you just continue to convict us of our sin, God. God, in this moment, if someone, God, hasn't truthfully known who you are, God, we pray they come to know, to know you. Or maybe you just need some prayer. God, we pray that you move the hearts, God and lead those to do such. In your name I pray, amen.